Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. We've got some some things to share today, and I just sensed in my heart that I needed to take a little bit of time and talk about um, Holy Spirit and um, some of the aspects of what's revealed in, in Scripture about Holy Spirit and about um, who we are and who He is in us and, and just just begin to deal with some of these things. And I know that I'm, I'm speaking today and then uh, um, Pastor Jason will be speaking next week because I'll be in, in the Philippines. And then the next week my wife will be speaking and uh, I'll be in the Philippines once again uh, on, for, one more, for that Sunday. And then I will be back, and uh, we're going to dig in and get into some, some things. But I, I really want to, to talk about Holy Spirit in us. And we're going to talk about how to flow and move with the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, how, to, how to, you know, operate as Spirit-filled people. How many of you know that Jesus didn't come to this earth to show us what God can do. We saw what God can do in the Old Testament before Jesus came, right? We, I mean, the, the hallmark of all of the Old Testament, I mean, the, the thing that we could point to is this was the, the climatic event of the Old Testament was when the Red Sea parted and the children of Israel crossed over on dry land, and God led them out of Egyptian bondage. How does that, you know, I mean, the miracles of God that were performed in the wilderness, water coming out of a rock, uh, manna being supplied every day from heaven, uh, the walls of Jericho tumbling down as they went into the promised land. And, you know, and, and, and all of these things, uh, you know, we saw... Uh, we saw lepers cleansed. We saw uh, the the dead raised. We saw all, all these kinds of miracles in the Old Testament. And so Jesus didn't need to come to show us what God can do. We'd already seen that. But what he needed to, to come and do, of course, ultimately, it was to go to the cross and to pay for uh, pay for our sins and redeem us back to the Father. That ultimately, that was that was it. But his time here on this earth, he came and showed us what a man anointed of Holy Spirit can do. Praise God! Praise God! He talked. He talked about it. He introduced us to a new and better covenant. And we're going to go into some of Jesus' teaching today and and see how he is teaching us about a new and better covenant that was to come at the time he was teaching it it was yet to come praise god it was to come when he was raised from the dead praise god but uh uh anyway if you will turn if you have your uh smartphone or tablet you can log on to the U version app select the events search 88220 and you can find my outlines from today there is no way that I'm going to get all this material covered today. And so if you log on, you have it. Praise God. You've got, you've got the outlines, and you can go study that on your own. I encourage you to do so. But uh, 
I want us to, to begin in Luke's gospel, uh, the 10th chapter. So you can go there. If you're logged on there, you, it's, it's right there in front of you. Um, otherwise, you can find it there in your Bible app or, or if you're doing it the old-fashioned way. You know, uh, somebody might say, well, all this technical problems that you're having today, if you just do things the old-fashioned way, that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. That is not true. Okay? reason I say that, I remember when we had an overhead projector sitting right over here, and uh, that overhead projector would blow a bulb. And, and you can't buy one in Carlsbad, so we had to order a bulb, and it would take two, three weeks to get a new bulb. And so don't tell me that the old-fashioned way that that wouldn't happen. Uh, you know, I remember going to the Philippines and they wrote the words to their songs on it. They had this big tablet that was about this wide and about that, that tall. And they came in before every service and wrote, hand wrote the words to the songs on that. And then they would stand up there and flip it during the service. So, you know, and, uh, and even then, sometimes you couldn't read the writing. So... All right, so there, there, you know, you, you can't say that uh, if you didn't have new technology that you wouldn't have any problems. It just, that's just not the case. And uh, so anyway, in Luke, the 10th chapter, verse number 30, Jesus begins to talk here, and he tell, he's telling a parable, teaching us by parables. This is, uh, was customary for Jesus to teach in this way. So Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he had arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. <clears throat> now on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Now, I've taught this passage of Scripture many times, and I, I don't want to spend much time here this morning. So I'm going to just run through the, the, the gist of what's, what is covered here. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus really lays out the, the whole story of the human race right here. And uh, so, like I said, I'm going to hit this very quickly because uh, we need to move on to some other things. But in this, we see that there was a uh, that we were the, the the man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We fell among thieves. The devil stripped us. The devil was a thief. He is the one that that. Uh, uh, wounded us and stripped us of our clothing and robbed us and left us half dead. We died spiritually that day. Later on, we died physically, but we died spiritually that day. And uh, then the the priest and the Levite came by, which which are representative of the law. Jesus 
uh, being the good Samaritan that came by later. He came by and he bandaged the man's wounds. And this is the part where I'm really going to, to focus in today. It says that he, he bandaged his wounds and he poured in oil and wine. Set him on his own animal, uh, took him to the inn, which is, which is the church. The innkeeper there is, is the, uh, the, the leadership of the church, the ministers in the church. The, he, he left him in his care and, uh, or in, in the church, or I said the leaders are the, are the, that the innkeeper was the leaders of the church. No, the innkeeper was the Holy Spirit. He left him in the care of the church and the Holy Spirit. I I'm trying to go through this too fast. <laughs> but uh, anyway, left him in, in the care of the Holy Spirit. And then he went away. He, he went away and was, said, I'm going to be gone for two days. I'm, I'm going to pay you for two days. Two days is as, as 2,000 years. And uh, he said, then I'm going to come back again. And if I owe you any more, then I'll pay you again when I uh, pay you the rest when I return. And so he told us he's coming back. So that's, that's the, the, uh, the speed version of this story. But I want to focus in on this part about he poured in oil and wine. And we find two types of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And those two types of the Holy Spirit are oil and wine. Um, oil and wine, do two, they do different things. Oil renews something. Wine empowers something. So he poured in oil. Notice the oil was first. He made him new. He made him a new creature in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And all these new things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. And so, uh, but then the second thing that he poured in was wine. Wine, uh, wine empowers you. Wine, wine heals. Wine empowers. Wine will change. If uh, how many of you have ever been around somebody who's been drinking a little too much wine, and you know that wine begins to affect a person's behavior. If a person's been drinking too much of it, it begins to slur their speech, you know. But the wine of the Holy Spirit, will, will, it, it won't distort your viewpoint. It will correct your viewpoint. Praise God. And it will change your speech. You'll start talking different. You'll start acting different. You'll start behaving different. You'll start, as Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside of you, the wine of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It was the wine of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that got the attention of the people that were in Jerusalem that day. Praise God. But uh, we're going to look at these, these two aspects. First of all, I want us to look at the oil of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 5, go to verse number 33. They said to him, Why do the disciples of John... Fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days 
will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of new garment. This is very important. No one puts a piece of a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And also, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else, the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskin will be ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one... Having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Now, we're going to begin to break this passage of Scripture down. First of all, he talked about new wineskins. When you see the wineskins that he's speaking of, you are the wineskin. Praise God. You are the wineskin. And, and, what Jesus is talking about here, we're, we're talking about the oil of the Holy Spirit being applied to the wineskin. They would take a wineskin that was, that was hard and that was brittle and that would uh, have a tendency, if you poured new wine into the old wineskin, then the wineskin, as Jesus said, it would break. Why would it break? Because it was dry and it was hard and when you pour the new wine in, the new wine has a fermenting action that is taking place. And it begins, the gases from that fermentation begins to expand. And because the wineskin is old and brittle, it could not contain the new wine and the, the gases from the fermentation. Praise God. So you, before, before you accepted Christ... You know, you were, you were hard, brittle, and he couldn't just pour in the wine of Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it, it, you couldn't contain that. And so, um, then I want you to see that he goes on and he talks about this. He says that no one takes an, a, a new garment, and, and I'm going to paraphrase this. No one takes a new garment and uses it to patch an old one. Now, that doesn't make sense. You know, if you've got, I remember as a kid wearing, wearing jeans with patches on them. And uh, some of you did too. Some of you, now you just don't patch them, you just leave the holes. But, uh, you know, my mama patched my jeans. But she didn't go buy new jeans and and cut a piece out of the new jeans to patch the old ones. Now, she might do the other way around. She might take an old pair and cut a piece and use that as a patch, but she, she would never go and buy, that, that makes no sense to go and buy a new pair of jeans so you can have a patch for the old pair. But uh, Jesus said that if you do that, he says then it, the, the, the new cloth is going to cause the old to tear. And, and another thing, he said, it wouldn't match. It wouldn't match. Why? Because your old ones are faded and your new one is not. Praise God. 
and, and, and it's the old one is is worn out the new one is not praise god and so you don't that's just something you don't do but there there is some typology here that we need to look at we need to understand first of all let's look at this this new garment versus this old garment you see bible scholars seem to be somewhat in agreement about this or or many of them seem to be in agreement i'm sure they're all not but uh, uh but many bible scholars seem to be somewhat in agreement on this that jesus is talking in this passage about an old covenant versus a new covenant and you cannot what jesus is saying is you don't take a new covenant and mix it with an old covenant. Yet many churches, many Christians, many preachers are trying to mix a new covenant and an old covenant together. And it doesn't work. And we are getting a a, a really ringing sound up here it sounds like i'm in a barrel or something but if uh if we can do anything about that it would be great but uh anyway i'm, I'm going on uh, but anyway jesus is saying you can't take a new covenant and mix it with an old covenant and um uh, you know many have tried to mix Christianity and Judaism. The Apostle Paul dealt with this in his day. You know, it, this is not a new thing. Paul dealt with it. In fact, in, in uh, um, one place he talked about that there was, in Second Corinthians, the 12th chapter, he talks about that there was given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Now, we could go in and teach a lot on that, but uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not an eye disease. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not a sickness or a disease of any kind. In fact, Paul's thorn in the flesh was exactly what it said, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Now, why would Satan, uh, and, and secondly, it didn't come from God because God doesn't use messengers of Satan. Okay, so just get that, just go ahead and, and, and erase that. If that's in your head, just go ahead and erase that because it's not right. It's not, it's not accurate. And God is not using messengers of Satan. But there was, Satan assigned a messenger to Paul to buffet him. And the reason that he did that was to prevent him from preaching this glorious gospel of Christ. Praise God. To prevent the revelation that he received from the Lord from getting to you and I. Now that's, that's how much the devil hated this revelation. And he still hates it today and he's still trying to stop preachers from preaching it. And he's still trying to stop you from hearing it. But praise God. If you want to hear it, you can hear it. And there's preachers that will preach it. I've purposed in my heart to be one of those preachers that will preach it. Praise God. And so, anyway, um, 
Let's get this. The new garment. You see, what, what are we clothed with today? How many remember that the scripture says in Isaiah, let's see, where are we at here? Uh, Isaiah chapter 64, verse number 6, refers to our righteousness being as filthy rags. Now, I heard many, many sermons growing up about our righteousness being as filthy rags. And they would point at us and say, you know, you're just old filthy rags, and that's how God sees you. You're just old filthy, nasty rags, and that's the best you can do is to be an old filthy rag. And, you know, that was the, the essence of the message. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying our self righteousness is as filthy rags. Anything we can do in and of ourselves in the eyes of God is like filthy rags. However, we have been given, if we go in Isaiah and we jump back a couple of chapters to the 61st chapter. Verses 10 through, uh, where are we at here? Verse 10, we find that he has clothed us with a garment of salvation and, and he's given us a robe of righteousness. Praise God. <clears throat> when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he clothed you with a robe of righteousness. Not your self righteousness his righteousness and the difference in his righteousness and my righteousness my righteousness is based on uh, my self-effort and what I can do to please God what I can do to earn the favor of God that's what my righteousness is all about and that righteousness is what he calls filthy rags any effort that I can put forth in my own power is nothing but a filthy rag. But when I receive the righteousness of God, which we talked in in, in our last series on on, uh, um, Gospel 18, we talked about the, the gospel revealing the righteousness of God, which is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And when we have faith in him, he has put up on us, he has clothed us with a robe of righteousness, which is his righteousness, not the filthy rag righteousness. And what we need to understand is that a robe of righteousness was never intended to become a patch for your filthy rags. Let's begin to see this. Jesus did not clothe you with a robe of righteousness so that you could take the robe of righteousness and cut a piece out of it so you could take part of it, see, part of the righteousness of God. This is what many, many preachers are doing is they are taking the robe of righteousness, taking, a, uh, you know, some of this, you know, how, how many have ever heard somebody say, well, this grace, you know, well, grace is fine, but you've got to stay balanced. Come on. And what they're calling balance is really taking a piece of the robe of righteousness and putting it on a filthy 
rag of self-righteousness and trying to make a patch out of it. And it will not work. You can take Christianity and add a little Judaism to it and it's no longer Christianity. Or you can take a little Judaism and throw in a little Christianity and it's no longer Judaism. They're completely different. You can take a little old covenant, put in a little bit of new covenant, and it's no longer old or new. It's something else that, that doesn't work at all. You know, when uh, I, I remember hearing sermons where, you know, well, if you're neither hot nor cold, then I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. God's going to throw you. He's just going to vomit you out of, out of his mouth. And I heard many sermons preached about that. But what that's really talking about is when you got a little bit of this and a little bit of this, that's what you get with lukewarm. I mean, that, that's what lukewarm is, a little bit of cold and a little bit of hot. And he's saying if you got a little bit of, of law and a little bit of grace and you mix them together, it makes something that is putrid and I'll throw it out of my mouth. And that's what he's saying. You know, I made a decision many years ago when I started down this road to preach grace. Now, I don't understand it all. I'm a, I'm a long ways from understanding it all. But I purposed in my heart, if I'm going to start down this road, I'm going to go down this road all the way. Praise God. We're not going to go down this road part way. Now, we may make some adjustments because there's, there's parts of it I don't get yet, parts of it I don't understand, some things I don't see yet. But as I see it, we're going to make the necessary adjustments as we go. Praise God. But we're not going to start down this road. And, you know, anybody ever as a kid remember sitting on the porch and pretending you were driving? Okay, you're, you're, how many of you, your, your pretend driving went like this? Because you thought that's what you were supposed to do with the steering wheel, you know. Now, as you grew up and you started driving, I hope you don't drive that way anymore. But, uh, uh, but anyway, you know, you don't, you don't make adjustments like this. You make adjustments like, you know. And, and so um, th that's what we're, we're not adjusting like this. You know, we're not preaching something different every time we come in here. You know, we're, we're making the necessary adjustments, but we're, we're, we're making them as necessary, not, you know, we thought that's what made the car go. But, uh, you know, God didn't give us, let's just say it this way, let's say it the right way here. The robe of righteousness was not intended to be a patch on a filthy rag of self-righteousness. Praise God. Praise God. You can't live under law, and every time you need a little bit of grace, then you can throw some grace in there. Didn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. You know, you, you live under law, and then, and, and see, here's, when, when people are trying to mix it, it usually comes out something like this. Usually comes out something like this. Well, God is an angry God, and he's angry about your sin. He's okay with mine, but. You know, I'm under grace, so, you know, 
when somebody points the finger back and they say, but what about you? And then you're saying, yeah, but, you know, well, I, I believe God understands. And I believe he forgives. Yeah. But we point our finger at everybody else and say, God's going to judge you and he's going to punish you. Mine's okay, yours is not. That's what mixture produces. And it comes out like this. Mine is not as bad as yours. You know, your sin is a whole lot worse than mine. So, therefore, that's, that's why God can overlook mine. And so we, we have to start grading sin then. And that's what mixture looks like. That's what it looks like when you're taking a piece of a robe of righteousness and trying to patch a filthy old rag of self-righteousness with it. Praise God. What about, what about new wine? Well, it's got to be put in new wineskins. How do you get a new wineskin? You take the wineskin and you apply the oil of the Holy Spirit and make it a new wineskin. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if we go back, we, we realize that what Jesus was talking about, they came to Jesus and they said, John's disciples, they fast. You know, and they do these things and they, and they, uh, they keep the law. The Pharisees, well, their disciples, they, the Pharisees do the same thing. They fast. But your disciples don't fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And then Jesus began to talk to them. He, he, he said, well, as long as the bridegroom is here, he says, as long as I'm here, you can't make the children, uh, uh, the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom's with them. Now, they were talking about self-effort and self-righteousness. See, they thought they were going to be heard for their much speaking. They thought they were going to receive some kind of favor from God for fasting. They thought they were going to receive some kind of favor from God for tithing. They thought they were going to receive some kind of favor from God for keeping all the law. And that's what Jesus was dealing with here. And you go back and you read the whole context of the thing. He's talking about, he, he's answering their question about why don't your disciples fast? See, Jesus came in to introduce us to a new and better covenant where we're not trying to earn the favor of God. We simply receive the favor of God. Praise God. See, his favor is not on you because you do good. His favor is on you because he loves you. Praise God. And, and, and the more we begin to understand that, and, and we are on a quest here that we have been on for about seven years now. We are trying to, to, to change our mentality. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are not. Some of you are not getting it because you're not hearing it enough. Okay? Some, some of you are not getting it because you're not listening. Some of you are not getting it because, because you, keep, you, you don't think it matters what you hear. 
It matters extremely what you hear. Let me just put it that way. And it's not about earning the favor of God. I'm not talking about, well, you've got to come to church to make God love you. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not coming to church to make God, to, to earn God's favor. It's coming to church so you can, you know, I said this way, you know, I, I don't read my Bible to get God to love me. I read my Bible to know that he does. I don't pray to get God to love me. I pray because he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, you know, if, if we're trying to change our mind, but you've got grace going in this side, and you've got law going in this side, and they're counteracting one another, and, and somewhere in the middle, the garment's getting ripped. Somewhere in the middle, the wineskin is blowing up. You know, what, what, what is going on? What's happening here? You see, you determine. You are the one who determines how fast you grow and how fast you get this stuff and how fast you, you start walking in this stuff. And it's going to be determined by how diligent you are to hear and to learn. Praise God. We are on a mind renewal mission. Praise God. And, and I, I have determined, after being on this thing for a while, I have determined it's easier to change behavior than it is to change mentality. But I'm not trying to change your behavior. I'm trying to change your mentality. Then your, your behavior will just change. We don't have to try to change your behavior if your mentality changes. So we are on a quest. See, real change comes when you change the way you think. Praise God. Praise God. And then you will forever be changed. Hallelujah. You change what you believe. And so we are on this mission to, to change our thinking so that we stop trying to patch filthy rags with a robe of righteousness. So we stop trying to put new wine into old bottles, old wine skins. Praise God. Now, look at, look at this. Jesus said this. Let's back up here and look at this, this verse again. He said, you know, that, that when a person has tasted, in, in verse 39 of Luke 5, he says, when a person has tasted the old wine, immediately uh, the, they don't desire new wine then. He says, for he says, the old is better. Now, let me just say this, that is a terrible translation. Okay? That's, that's not what it says. In fact, if you take that translation of that, it means exactly the opposite of what Jesus was saying. Sounds like Jesus is saying the old is better. Now remember, we're talking about two covenants here. We're, we're talking about grace versus law here. And so... Jesus is not talking to us about the, the new covenant and then saying the old one is better. 
Yes, that's exactly the opposite of what he's saying. Better translation of that. Let me just, let me read this to you. New American Standard says, And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for the new, for he says, the old is good enough. He didn't say the old is better. He says the old is good enough. The Amplified Translation says, And no one after drinking old wine wishes for new, for he says the old is fine. So in other words, once a person has been drinking the old wine of the old covenant of law, once a person has been drinking that, that wine of religion, then they have a tendency to say, the old is just fine. I'll just stick with the old. They're not saying the old is better. They ha Notice this person hasn't even tasted the new. This person's only drunk the old. And he said, when you've drunk the old, you don't say, well, I want the new. Because you're saying, well, th this is fine. Oh, no, this, this will be okay. The, the, I'm all right with this. I'll be okay with this. You see, and what we tend to do is when we have sit under the teaching of law, when we have sat in a place where we have uh, and been inundated with religion, we tend to say, well, this is okay. This is all right. Why, why don't we want the new? This is good. I, I'm okay with this. And this is where so many people are. They're saying they, they've, they've received the old wine of religion, and now they're saying, this is okay. Th this is all right. I'm happy with this. Why do we want to go and rock the boat? Why do we want to go change anything? Because this is good. Th th this is fine. Jesus is saying there is a new wine. And if you taste the new wine, you won't be satisfied with the old wine anymore. The person here hadn't even tasted the new. Praise God. You know, I, I don't drink wine. And so... I don't know much about wine. So I had to do a little bit of research on this. And I've always heard old wine was better. And, and probably because of, you know, a lot of that came from, from this statement here. This, uh, the, the old wine was better. And so, you, you know, you want the old stuff. And so I, I Googled this. I said, is old wine better or why is old wine better than new wine? And the answer that I found out is, it's not necessarily. Now, let, let's take that over into what we're talking about today. Why is the old religion mentality, why is that better than the new? Why is that better than, why is religion better than grace? It's not. It's not. 
And you, yet you'll get many who say, well, you got to have this because if you, don't, if you don't preach sin, then people will just keep sinning. What I've discovered is if you preach law, people will keep sinning. And if you preach grace to a person with a law mentality, they'll keep sinning. People are going to sin until they begin to grasp the grace of God that empowers them to overcome sin. Praise God. They're going to keep, they're, they're going to keep sinning because it is, it, it is you know, it, when they were in, when, before they became believers, when they were in, in the world, that sin was their nature. And they haven't learned that they have a new nature. Praise God. And in fact, they've been taught in many churches that they've got a dual nature. Well, you've got a, you've got a sin nature and you've got a God nature. Why is it then that Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. He didn't say all things, most things, some things have become new. You still got some of the old. No. What are they doing? They're mixing covenants. They're mixing old and new. You can't mix old and new. Neither one is preserved then. Praise God. So they didn't say, Jesus didn't tell us. The old is better. The new is better. Praise God. But if, if you taste the old and you become content with that, I'm trying to stir up a holy discontent in you today. Praise God. So that you're not satisfied. I got so discontented a few years ago with the way things have been and the way the church has been. And, yeah, I've had some flack because of it. And I've had some people that don't understand what I'm preaching. And I've had some people that are opponents of what I'm preaching. But I've developed a holy discontent that I want to get stirred up in you. Praise God. So that you're not happy with the old wine of religion. So you begin to say, I want some of that new stuff. I want some of that new wine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Having tasted the old but not tasted the new, well, you're okay. You're all right with that. This is good. This, this, is, well, this is fine. You know, I, my wife will do that sometimes. I'll, I'll say, you know, well, you want, to take, you want some of this? No, this is fine. What I have is fine. No, she's not talking about religion. She's talking about food, you know. No, no, this is fine. Well, here I've got this. You need, no, this is fine. What I've got is fine. It's fine. Anybody ever do that? You know, somebody's trying to offer you something better, and you're saying, no, this is fine. This is okay. You know? 
I mean, why, why would I want French fries? French fries are okay if I just have French fries. If that's all there is, that's okay. But, now if you offer me a chili relleno, we're throwing the fries away. Okay? Those who taste religion say, this is good enough, but Jesus is offering us new wine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to begin to say, all this stuff that I've learned, I'm, I'm now so discontent. Give me the new stuff. Give me the, see, because it's the new stuff, that's where the power is. That's why you can put old wine in an old wine skin. You know, you can tell a, you can tell an unbeliever he needs to start changing his behavior. That's putting old wine in a old wine skin. Now he'll start trying to, you know, if if you can convince him that he's going to go to hell if he doesn't change his behavior, he'll start trying to change his behavior. Old wine in an old wine skin. Works out okay. Works out all right. He can change his behavior to a certain degree. But if you really want to produce real change, you've got to put some new wine in him. But before you can put the new wine in him, you've got to make him a new creature. You've got to make a new wineskin. You've got to apply the oil so that the wineskin becomes new and once it becomes soft and pliable then you can pour in wine of the Holy Spirit and there is a fermenting action or there is a a power action praise God that is taking place on the inside and it begins to grow and swell and grow and swell and grow and swell on the inside of you so that you no longer are the same. The wineskin had a certain shape, but when you filled it with the new wine and that fermenting action began to take place, the shape of the thing began to change because of the power that was on the inside. On the day of Pentecost, they were accused of being drunk with new wine. Why? Why do they say drunk with new wine? Because new wine is what changes the behavior. Praise God. They began to talk different. They began to speak in a language they hadn't learned. But yet the people that were there were understanding what they were saying. Praise God. They were speaking in the language of, of the, the people that were in the city that day from all over the known world at that time. Because there was some new wine that was changing some things from the inside. God always changes things from the inside, never from outside pressure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Changing from the outside will never work. But change from the inside is automatic. It's automatic. So drink some new wine. 
Praise God. Drink some new wine. Get some of that new stuff where the power is happening. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Man, I don't know where to go from here because there is so much left. You know, some say this used to be a debate in the church I grew up in. Well, can you go to heaven without the Holy Ghost? That's the way we said it. You know, can you go to heaven without the Holy Ghost? Now, let me put that in a little more modern terms. And say, can you get to heaven without the Holy Spirit? And let me say this, let me answer it this way. Are you talking about oil or are you talking about wine? Now, if you're talking about oil, what does the oil do? Renews it, makes it new. Can you get to heaven without oil? No, you cannot. Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So unless you have received the oil of the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, you're not going to heaven. But can you get to heaven without wine? Well, we could make you a new wine skin and leave you empty. But what would be the point? You know, why would God want to make us a new wine skin and then not put any wine in? And yet I see a whole lot of Christians that are content just to be new wineskins. They're not interested in filling the wineskin up with the wine. What's a wineskin for? Wine? What's it for? Wine? You see, Jesus came... And because he came and because of his work, now we have become new wineskins. But he wants you to start affecting those around you as well. Praise God. He wants to begin to change you into his image. From the inside. And so in order for him to do that, he's got to get the wine in you. Praise God. And so, you know, Jesus gave us a parable about five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. And the five foolish ones didn't have any oil. And they didn't get in. The five wise had some oil. And so they got in. You see, the day Jesus was raised from the dead, the oil started flowing. And it ran down over the head. And you can find all this in the notes if you're following along on that. But it started, the oil started flowing down over the head. Who's the head? 
Jesus is the head, start flowing down over the head, and he was the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. In other words, he was the first one raised up to newness of life. But as the, head, uh, as the oil flowed down over the head, it flowed down over the garment. It flowed down all the way down to the feet. Praise God. Now, if you read Paul's writings to the Corinthians, you'll find out that somewhere along in between there, between the head and the feet, you know, you fit in there somewhere. Praise God. Are you the hands? Are you the ears? Are you the eye? Are you the big toe? You know? Somewhere that, and, and Paul said this, he said, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So somewhere along the line, you're in there, the oil flowed, the same oil flowed all the way from the head. Didn't Paul say this, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, will also quicken your mortal bodies? The oil flowed down over the head all the way down to the feet. And so every member of the body received the oil. And... If there was no oil, then there was no light. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The lamp is lit because there is oil. Praise God. So when you see these types and shadows of the Holy Spirit, remember, you've got to have some oil. So if you have never received, now if you've been born again, you've, you've received the oil. If you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you received the oil. But maybe you're here today and you haven't. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you've never received the oil. You can get to heaven without being full of wine. But you're not getting to heaven without having the oil. Praise God. But it's real easy if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, if God didn't raise him from the dead, he ain't raising you from the dead. Hmm? Isn't that right? He's the firstborn. If he didn't raise him from the dead, he's not raising you from the dead. But we were dead in trespasses and sins, but he made us alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching, and you've never received the oil. I'm going to help you receive the oil right now. Here's what you got to do. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God. You'll receive the oil. So would you pray this with me right now? I'm going to ask everyone in this room and everyone watching online, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me right now. And if you mean this, if you mean it, you, you believe this and you mean it, God's word says you will be saved. In other words, the oil will just flow right over you too. Praise God. Let's just say this together. Say, God in heaven, 
I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me to pay for all of my sins and then you raised him from the dead the oil flowed over him and it flows on down to me today let that oil flow over me and make me a new creature too and I thank you Jesus for paying for my sins and I thank you that that oil is flowing over me today I receive the salvation that you paid for in Jesus name thank you thank you for joining us today if you would like more information about Word of Life Church Please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.